Sunday is a unique opportunity. It's the second time we've done this. We're calling them Training Sundays. Uh, recently in the life of our church, you've articulated that a desire that you have is to be trained in participating with what God is doing in your life. So we've created these opportunities on Sunday uh, for a little different experience. What's going to happen is instead of us having our typical uh, Sunday sermon time, we've created three different opportunities of training for you this morning. I have with me here on stage uh, Kathy Berglund and Michael, and I've asked them just to give us a quick snapshot of what the training opportunity is that they're going to provide, and I'm leading one as well, so after they get done talking, I'll, I'll explain mine a little bit after that. So, Kathy? All right. Every one of you is God's masterpiece. You're his creation, and you were created in Jesus to do great works and every one of those works he's already laid out for you to do. Those kinds of notions and questions sometimes freak us out, though. What are those good works? What am I supposed to do? What is the uniqueness of me as a masterpiece, of you as a masterpiece? Well, writing a personal mission statement can be one of those tools that helps you answer some of those questions. So I invite you to join me for the workshop in writing a personal mission statement, because whether your work is at home with the kids in church ministry, in schools, or out in the marketplace, having a mission statement can help you live a life that's more on purpose and one that honors God. I can't follow that. Hey, Ken. <laughs> oh, I think I would go to Kathy's if I were you. Uh, if you stay in this room, we're going to have a panel discussion with a handful of people who are all going to talk a little bit about how thinking about faith has influenced the way they do their jobs and also a few stories about what they've found helps them be more aware of God in their work, and also sharing a couple obstacles that they're facing. So if you want to just listen to a handful of people, kind of share how they've been on this journey and what they've thought about and maybe what they've changed in their own work, hang out here and listen to the panel. I want to start this little panel discussion by saying none of these three people love being out in front of everybody. So they're, they're making a sacrifice to share with you some of what they've learned. And they've all really learned a lot in this area, so I'm glad that you'll have the chance to, to learn from them. Uh, we're going to ask a few questions simply about how faith has influenced the work that each of they do. So I'll have them introduce themselves and tell you just briefly what they do. Uh, and then a story or two about how that's played out and maybe some obstacles that they've seen. But be thinking of questions, because just in a few minutes, Stefan's going to come around and see if any of you would like to ask questions of any of the panelists. So how about a panelist encouragement round of applause as we begin? Thank you. Chrissy, you want to introduce yourself and what you do? Hi, my name is Carissa Binder. Uh, the answer to that question is actually complicated for me. And so I am mostly a stay-at-home mom, but one day a week I go and work at a, our family's heating and air conditioning company. Uh, hi, my name is Trevor Kaihai. Uh, I work for Wells Fargo Bank, but I'm not really a banker. I work in information technology for them. So I work, I do a lot of work in mortgage technology application support. I'm James Abraham. I'm a physician and gastroenterologist at the University of Minnesota, and I'm also a training director for a fellowship training program. You can hold on to that one. Okay. Yep. So here's our first question. <laughs> None of, they won't even hold the mic. 
how, how any of you want to start? Um, I'm sure none of you want to start. How has your perspective on your work changed as you've been exploring these ideas about God being present in the workplace or integrating your faith and work? Um, so one of the things I think in some of our early conversations about this is that um, with medicine, it's inherently about trying to serve and help somebody else. But, and so it seems like it may lend itself to kind of a kingdom-focused um, mindset that you know it's inherently something that God wants you to do and it's something that's helping to heal but um, in kind of examining this question and um, talking with other people around me and observing uh, with other physicians is that it's really easy to sometimes lose that focus um, it's really easy to kind of focus more on the fact that the patient is a has a problem and you're there to fix it rather than seeing the person themselves and there's sometimes a lot of brokenness that we can easily miss and a lot of opportunities we can miss when we just focus on the problem try to fix it and get the person on their way um, not realizing that there may be other things going on in that person's life that you might actually have an opportunity to speak into hmm. so we have a six five and four year old at our house and i think for me my perspective on work changed pretty drastically well almost seven years ago now when i became a primarily a stay-at-home mom and so that, for lots of us, I think what we do as a job is a big part of our identity. And so when I stayed at home or started staying home, I, was, I floundered for a while because it was really hard. You know, in these uh, community time conversations, the question when you are getting to know someone is, what do you do? And I feel like for a lot of people when we say, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, it's a pretty hard thing to figure out, like, what does that mean? Or do they think that that's a good thing to do or not? And in this process of thinking about what God is doing in my professional life is that I really feel called right now to be at home with my three kids. And to be able to embrace that has been really fun and <laughs> crazy sometimes, but that I really love being at home with my kids and really feel called by God to be raising them up right now. I think for me, um, so my job is like 90% documentation and meetings. So I spend a lot of time, I work from home, um, so I don't interact with a ton of people in my work. Um, on a person-to-person -person level, I spend a ton of time on the phone and a ton of time in either an Excel spreadsheet or Word documentation. And so I think for me, this is a question that I initially really struggled with. I grew up with an attitude of work, or especially early in my career, of it sort of being Adam's curse. Um, and that work was something I had to do in order to support my family. And um, it was just, you know, if, if you want to live and make a living, you have to work. And I think really diving into this conversation for me has been understanding what does that mean in a job where it isn't necessarily inherently about serving another individual, what does it mean for me to have a perspective and see God as having put me in my job for a specific reason? And what is that reason? Hmm. So for, for any of you, um, maybe for James first, when you think about the difference between thinking about a person as uh, a customer and switch over to uh, maybe a Christian-rooted perspective of, hey, this person's made in the image of God. What I heard you saying was, there's actually quite a big difference between coming into a room thinking, I have to get, 
I have to get this person, I have to get on to the next person in like six minutes or whatever the number is for us to, to make money as an organization to, hey, this person was made by God and I have to attend to more than just fixing the problem. Is that, am I, was I hearing you right or would you add to that anything? Yeah, I think one of the mindset things, um, again, it, it's been helpful to have a community of people that have been struggling and kind of working through some of these questions is that, um, it's easy in our defaults. You know, we, it, we have an autopilot. I think we are all very accustomed to doing our work every day and doing it efficiently and then getting out the door. Um, and so when you start to ask questions of yourself that actually make you take a little bit more time and um, have you focus on things that aren't exactly in your immediate skill set, um, it does disrupt the day a little bit. And so one of the things that I sought to um, try to help in that regard was just looking at things that I had to do every single day. Um, so one of those things that I had to do and kind of act as, as a trigger for me would be, you know, I always have to put my hand on the doorknob and literally walk into the room. So why don't I, put, whenever I put my hand onto the doorknob to walk in the room, why don't I just say a one-line prayer saying, you know, God, if there's something here that you need me to see, help me to see it. Hmm. And just leave it at that. And just by doing that, I would say um, within about a couple months of like actively trying to do that and, and obviously I didn't do it every single time and there'd be days where it'd be really busy and you just really had to be efficient. But um, after a couple of weeks of kind of looking back at some of the conversations that, it ha that had happened as I was doing that prayer and trying to be mindful about what I was doing, um, there were a number of opportunities that became less about the problem that caused the person to seek a physician's help and more about what else was happening in their lives. I heard, I would hear people tell me about family members that they had lost and how that was impacting some of their symptoms. I heard about um, somebody we made a very critical diagnosis on and um, the only thing that she was thinking about is like, am I gonna live long enough to get married? Um, dealing with other family members that um, were angry and frustrated and, and realizing that it wasn't just about the person in the room that I was attending to that was seeking my help, I had also attended the family member. Um, there are a lot of opportunities in kind of looking at that that were um, I don't think I would have immediately seen if I had just focused on the person and if I didn't allow myself to um, be aware that God actually was moving and that there's, there's a reason why both of us were put together in the room that day. Yeah, thank you. Um, a, a I think one of the things that's come out of us listening to people in the workplace in this last year is that attentiveness is a huge deal, that, that not going to work on autopilot and sort of assuming you know how things are going to go, but doing something simple and small that helps you attend to God's presence in your normal everyday workplace situation can actually help you see some things really differently and maybe even invite you to behave differently in your workplace. Uh, Trev, let me invite you to talk a little bit about um, one of the things that I know that you've struggled with in the particular work that you're doing is that you've, you've sort of said over and over again, I don't know that God cares that much about what I'm actually doing. The actual Excel spreadsheets and Word documents that I'm pouring, <laughs> pouring over, I, I don't know that God really cares that much about that work. Can you just talk about how you've thought about that and why that's been a struggle? Yeah, so I think one of the ways that we've, Mike and I and others, um, when we've been doing some discipleship have talked about work is, you know, if you really think about it, there's quite a lot of parts to your work, right? So there's the actual task that you're doing which is one part, but then there's all the people that you interact with and how you interact with them, and then there's the sort of overarching what your business does or whatever, you know, depending on what your job is, 
what the organization or the home or whatever is the goal of that. And so it's the question for me about what is God doing in my work had really different answers when I looked at that because I'm not in an office space. So I don't go talk to people at the water cooler or hang out at their cubicle or whatever. I'm on the phone with them, which means I don't really have sort of hangout relationships with most of the people that I work with. I don't know them personally very well. If I'm talking to them, it's because we're in a meeting and we're specifically doing whatever we're doing. Um, and so for me, a lot of my job came down to the actual task I was doing, what I was producing um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And I kind of look at that and it's been an ongoing struggle for me to really look at that and try and recognize, or try and decide, do I think God really cares about whether this spreadsheet is like really, really good or whether I spend an extra hour on my documentation to make sure it's as good as it could be. And I think there is something to be said for um, doing everything that you're doing as worship to the Lord and that he's given me a gift to be able to do those things well. On the other hand, um, the way, I think one of the areas that I found a lot of satisfaction in when I think about my work is I came from a consulting background and when I moved to Minneapolis for this job, I was not working remotely. I was working in an office. And after about a year and a half, I transitioned to remotely. And that has given me a ton of flexibility to be doing some of the other things that I'm also gifted in that aren't a part of my job. So I think some people know, I actually work in my garage quite a lot. I have a garage ministry where I have people's cars come and I really enjoy cars and I'm gifted somewhat <laughs> at working on them. And so the flexibility that I have from working from home and not necessarily having to have um, some of the, you know, going out to drinks after work or doing some of the things that a lot of other offices do allows me to really invest in a different type of ministry and gives me a flexibility that I wouldn't have otherwise had and didn't really know about when I felt like God called me to this position. So it was it's very complex, I guess, is maybe the best summary for that. Yeah, and what, I, what I've loved in my conversations with you about this is that uh, Trev's just been really honest. Like, it doesn't seem like some of the things I'm doing matter that much to God, and maybe that's okay. You know, maybe not everything I do every day has to be um, somehow making some enormous impact on somebody else. But I can do some of the things I'm doing as well as I can do them and see that they allow me to do other things or they allow me opportunities to do other things. Or they might be shaping me for something in the future that I can't yet see. And it's still important for me to do that. So we've used these four categories for work to try to talk about God's engagement. Some of you have heard the categories. Four different ways that God might be present in your work. Uh, one is that God might be shaping your character, that you might be learning something through whatever you're doing right now that makes you into a person that can do something else in the future that God has in mind for you to do. Another one is to think about the ethics of your personal engagement with your company or the ethics and or the ethics of the organization as a whole. So the, to the degree that you are able to influence the ethical behavior of your company or your organization or your group or whatever, your team, um, there's ways in which God works through the ethical uh, choices that we make in the workplace. And then two that are a little more common, or one that's more common, is thinking about the relationships you have in the workplace and how God might be present in the lives of the people you're engaging with. And finally, as Trevor was just saying, the work itself, the inherent value of the thing you're doing, God could be doing something through whatever it is you're doing, whether you're caring for, for a patient or a child or creating a great process for your company to follow. So those are kind of the four categories I encourage you to think in to try to help you 
you know, expand the way that you think God might be able to do something? Is he shaping your character? Are there ethical choices you're making? Are there relationships that are really important? Uh, is the thing that you're doing, the, the actual act of working, the thing that you're working on, valuable to God in some way, shape, or form? Each of you have some stories, I think, about how you've seen faith starting to influence the way that you're doing your work. James shared one about stepping or praying as he's holding some doorknobs. Krista, do you want to share a story or two about how you see faith shaping the work that you're doing? Sure. Um, I think I have lots of little things that I do with the kids or try to do with the kids. One of the things is now all of my three either go to preschool or in elementary school and so as we are walking to the bus I make sure I pray for them or as we're going driving to school I make sure I pray for them and it's gotten to the point where sometimes they call me out if I forget and it's fun to see that that's what they expect now uh, some of the other things we have some verses up in the house that I make sure I try and pray through each day for the kids but I think one of the things with all these little eyes on me that has caught me is that I really, when you were speaking about character, uh, they're gonna learn most from actually watching me. And so I really thought about through, thought through, you know, I need to make sure that they see me reading my Bible daily. Doesn't always happen. Or that they see that my life, my walk with God is on display because that's actually how they're going to learn more than the words I say, but that they see it in action, being practiced each day. And so that's really hard some days. And sometimes I just say to them, like, I'm just crabby, <laughs> and you <laughs> need to help me out or whatever. And uh, whether that's I've asked them to pray for me, or um, if you haven't guessed, like, I really feel I really like to pray. That's one of the things that I like to teach the kids. So uh, those are just a few examples of things that we do during our day. How about obstacles that you all are facing or have faced um, maybe as you've explored this conversation? What's, what's been hard? What's been tricky? What's, what's, where do you feel stuck? I'll start with that. And I think I mentioned it a little bit already. I think the biggest obstacle for me in the conversation has been trying to come to terms with whether I think it's okay that I'm not sure that I see God in the physical work that I'm doing. Um, is, that, is that true, for one? And, it, and could I be okay with that? Could I be okay doing something for maybe the rest of my life where I don't feel like God is really active in the documentation that I do? Um, and I've wrestled kind of back and forth with that. And um, I think I've come to a place of, peace in it, I guess, that I feel satisfied in my job. I enjoy my job. I like the people that I do work with. Um, but it does seem there are days when it's hard for me to feel like, would God prefer that I was doing something where I'm caring for people or where I'm doing evangelism somewhere? Or, you know, it's easy to put some of these things on a pedestal, I guess, maybe. And so me sort of wrestling with that, I think, has been the biggest obstacle. Could I be okay doing a job where I feel like yeah, I think God wants me here, but I don't really see him active in my day-to-day -day work. Thank you. I think there's two things for me, um, ambiguity, and also I've, I sense often that our culture or society doesn't have a lot of value for the work I do every day. Wiping boogers and butts is not glamorous, and so I think there's a lot of messages, like I don't get paid for the work I do, there's lots of cleaning up of 
different bodily fluids. Like, it's just not glamorous. And so um, it's hard to reprogram my head and my brain to say, no, this is important. This is what I'm called to do. And to kind of block out what the outside world might be telling me. And the ambiguity comes in that I don't know. There's like no measures often for what I do every day. Like, who knows how these kids will turn out? <laughs> will they be, you know, functioning adults? I hope so, but I'm not going to know that for I a long so time. I hope so, too. I do. I'm feeling that. Um, and so there's a lot of ambiguity, like, does it matter today if I read my Bible or not in front of them? Does it matter that they're eating food I think they should be eating? And so I struggle with that often. Like, there's no way to measure what I'm doing often and that I don't actually know how it might turn out and it won't be for a long time where I'll know that maybe. Hmm. Um, I think that there's been, uh, in trying to think through this question a little bit, there's been a couple different phases of obstacles that I think I've uh, been struggling with over the last couple of years. I think first one is I grew up in a very evangelical tradition and maybe some of you can relate. I think that um, where your ministry was something that you did in addition to whatever your work actually was. Um, so it was always a plus. It wasn't something that was already a part of what you were doing. Um, and that in itself, you know, again, that's kind of how I was raised and how I was thought, uh, brought up and at least how I kind of interpreted what, what the what ministry actually was. Um, that was a reprogramming on its own just to kind of think about that there actually is ministry that can take place and is part of the things that I do every day and that Honestly, I feel like God has given me talent for. Um, so that's been rewarding and freeing, but it does offer, offer both opportunities and also offers some challenges. Um, I think other obstacles, again, you know, trying to find a rhythm of things that I'm already doing each day that um, aren't intrusive and are reproducible. I think there's things, it doesn't matter whether it's a service-related industry or, or um, IT work or any type of field. I think that there's something that, um, you know, actionable that we can kind of identify in our work every day that can help us to be more mindful about what God could be doing. Um, one of the transitions that I've been kind of making recently is also thinking about, it's been easier to think about God at work from the standpoint of service to others. Um, but one thing, a question that's been coming up very often as of late has been, um, you know, there, there are people that are actively seeking my or other help, uh, my help or others' help. Um, but what do I do for people that aren't actively seeking my help? And um, how is that potentially generalizable? Um, you know, I, we all have those people in our lives and they're actually your coworkers. You know, there may be your ancillary or ancillary staff. There may be the secretary or the receptionist. There are people every day that we interact with that aren't actively coming to you for help, but actually might need you to be there, be present and be aware. Um, and so there have been some actual challenges and opportunities that have arisen out of that. Um, kind of helping, you know, one of my uh, roles at my job is to train new physicians to carry on some of these skills. And one of the things that we've actually been working on over the last month, whether they know it or not, is um, how do you actually become aware of who's actually investing in your development and how do you say thank you? Just that is a, is a means of teaching empathy and teaching an awareness that there are people around you that enable your success. How do you say thank you for that and then how do you teach that success to somebody else? Mm -hmm. um, that, I think the obstacle and the challenge that's come out of that is that that process is emotionally draining. Um, it does feel like it's a plus sometimes to what I'm doing and the 
as we're giving and I'm feeling I need to give that encouragement, I also need to get encouragement from other people. So it's important to have a support system, people that you can talk about and wrestle with these questions with, and then also kind of share the, the successes that happen as well as kind of deal with when it doesn't work out as well as you expected or if an unintended um, circumstances occur. Well, I imagine some of you have some questions for these three people. So if you have a question, Stefan's going to come around behind you with a microphone. So just raise your hand and he will come and find you and you can ask your question. While we're waiting for the first question, which is always the hardest one to get, I want to say that um, one of the things that's great about this particular topic, faith and work, is that you all are, and these three people here, are um, more expert in this, in this thinking and in this experience than a lot of the church staff are in that uh, the church staff work with the church staff most days, and they're all wonderful people, but they don't have some of the same questions that you bring to it, which is one of the reasons why we have a panel up here to say, hey, these are people who are struggling with questions about integrating faith in their regular everyday life in workplace settings that a lot of you can probably relate to. Um, and, and you all are just as expert. So what we're trying to do this month is give you a framework for asking how do I ask good questions? How do I pay attention? How do I realize that whatever I'm doing really matters to God and see maybe some opportunities that, that haven't been obvious to you so far? So did we find our first question? Fantastic. Would you mind standing up and telling us your name and what your question is? My name is Tom. And my question is, uh, how do you see the role of personal fulfillment in your work, and is that something that God uses in your experience to direct you or, or speak to you about your work and how he's involved in it? For me, um, I am actually really personally fulfilled by being with my kids, and so for it, it, I think the way God uses that is that that's confirmation for me to continue on in this calling that God has. Um, but yeah, I certainly feel like I love being home with my kids every day. That may sound crazy to some of you, but that's really how I've been made, I think, and how God made me. And so to be able to step into that every day is really um, enriching and uh, joyful usually. I would say I'm not on the opposite end of the spectrum, but from a different, come from a different place. Like, I don't love what I do every day. Um, but again, I think for me that breaks out into different facets. I really do enjoy the people that I work with. And I think coming from a consulting background where I was doing essentially a different job with a different boss every three months or so for a number of years, I got a lot of experience with the thing that I'm doing was actually a lot less important to me than the people I was doing it with. If I had a really great team and people I enjoyed, we could do some really mundane, crummy work and still have a good time doing it. Whereas some other projects, I was doing some really interesting stuff, but my boss and the people that I worked with just were really hard to work with. And so I think I've come to a place where I don't really necessarily love the work that I do every day, but I really enjoy the people that I get to work with and I really enjoy what it allows me to do outside of my work. It really enables some of the things that I am really passionate about, working on cars and getting to serve with Mill City and um, even getting to do some of my fun hobby stuff. I'm a comic book geek and so I get to do some of that too because I have more flexibility in my work. And so I think for me, 
I don't look at my job as being necessarily, am I fulfilled by my job so much as, um, am I fulfilled in life in general? And how does my job kind of fit into that? And I w so I would say my job specifically, maybe I'm not necessarily super fulfilled with, but I'm really satisfied with where I'm at in life right now. Mm. Um, from the standpoint of personal fulfillment and ambition, I think God created us, or at least I believe God created us to be ambitious um, and have vision and see things around us that we feel like we can um, surmount and, and feel accomplished by as we, as, we, as we achieve. But I think that is different from a sense of pride where whatever you, know, whatever you accomplish, it's never enough. It's always constantly leaving a void where it needs to be filled by something else, the next thing that fills it again and again and again. Um, almost like a personal greed. I think that is, I think, a flip side and a perversion of what God actually created us to be. I think that there's plenty of stuff that we can see in our workplaces and the people that we interact with every day where we feel like there are challenges that can be, that if we came alongside that person where we could help them to um, move further. And, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong about that. And I think that's partly where I see uh, and gain my fulfillment each day and part of the encouragement to kind of keep trying at this even when it's exhausting. Oh no, we gotta have the second question right away. Over here, Connie has one. Uh, not so much a question as a comment, but um, I found I've been in a situation where I'm not actually working, but I'm working with a lot of people. And I think the bottom line has come to be integrity and knowing that I'm listening to that still small voice that says, this is what's right to do in this situation and this is not. And that's really the challenge for me mm. is having integrity in what I do and knowing that I'm just not doing what's comfortable because <laughs> mm. it isn't always comfortable. Mm. So for whatever that's worth. That's great. Thanks, Connie. I, I was recently speaking with a friend and uh, she was very involved with her church and then uh, ended up having kind of a crazy falling out of an abusive relationship that she got out of and, and she was kind of uh, shunned for it. And she just shared an interesting perspective that I had never experienced from being involved with the church and working very much in the church. And one of the things that I feel like I struggle with a little bit is uh, in the in the workplace is talking openly about Christianity or, or faith or praying for people or something like that. Have you guys ever experienced that? And um, I guess how have you how have you found a way to approach the conversation in an open way that doesn't feel like you're preaching Christianity on them in case they're not a believer, but yet still allowing yourself an opportunity to maybe influence their lives or pray for them. Thanks, Ryan. Anybody else have a similar struggle, question? Yeah? You hear that one a lot. Uh, any insights from you guys in terms of talking with people, trying to be um, engaging in terms of conversation with your faith? I just have a little story. Um, so I work with Mike's dad when I'm uh, in a professional setting. and Wait a minute, wait a minute. The house is not a professional... We Feels wear professional we, when we, I get there. We wear there. pajamas a lot of the okay, days sometimes. <laughs> um, 
So just a little. So is Trevor though. So yeah. let's, it's true. let's keep that in mind. <laughs> um, we had someone who I worked with when I was working full time. She was not a believer. Um, Mike's dad took her to church one time where we were um, doing our ministry and we just prayed for her and she ended up leaving the company good terms everything she went um, to try some different things and um, she just like in a couple years contacted us and had said how she so appreciated the example we were to her how we prayed for her because she knew that those were the things that were important when she actually came to know the Lord and is now like has her own walk with the Lord and faith and um, it was just really encouraging to see that you know you do these things and you try to do these things and it's not we weren't always overt like hitting her over the head like you gotta believe but that acting with integrity around her and making sure we were praying for her and letting her know that we cared about her made a really big difference and we didn't see it in the time we were together where, where she was actually working in the office but that those things continue on the ripples of the are the effects of that can be really long lasting and we might not ever know what the impact is of those small things we do each day I think I'll also say um, so I've never met anybody that became a Christian because somebody at their work who barely knows them like shoved a track at them, a tract at them. Um, so being my former job working in consulting, um, one of my best friends actually I met at work um, in Chicago and he's a Muslim and we became really close friends over the course of maybe two or three years and at a certain point, and I don't exactly know how it was, we became close enough that faith started to really engage as a part of our normal conversation because it was important to both of us and it was just part of kind of who we were. But that wasn't a conversation that I sort of like walk up to a guy in a meeting and be like, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian, you should come to church with me sometime. It's a very relationship-based thing. I think many of us probably can relate to like most of the really deep conversations you have with folks aren't with strangers all the time. They're with people that you've built some trust with and some capacity with. And so I grew up in a church where when, when work was talked about, kind of to James's point earlier, it sort of felt like you ought to be doing evangelism sort of at, the, at work. And I've never felt like that was tremendously effective or necessarily appropriate for the workplace that I'm in. And I don't think that means that God isn't present in those relationships and can't use that to bring people to know him. But I think it looks a lot different than just having conversations with folks you don't really know. I mean, if you don't know what people do after work to hang out and what their personality is, probably you're not in a place to be like spiritually speaking into their life anyway, maybe. And so I think the first part of that really maybe the answer has a lot more to do with building personal relationships so that you have grounds to that those folks know, this is a really important part of my life and I don't expect you to share it, but if you know me well, you're going to know that it's a part of my life and probably it's going to come up in our conversation if, if we're in that kind of a relationship. That's good. James, anything to add to that? Can I add one thing real quick? Sure. I was actually just looking out here and we have some kind of younger people out here and I was thinking about the question and how that might relate to some of you. And I was thinking that sometimes figuring out what you would say to a friend or how you would pray for a friend is actually kind of hard. So one thing you might do is just get, like, think in your head. If somebody asked you, why do you go to church on Sunday, that you might have an answer. You might be able to say, 
like what what your relationship with God means. That was something I never did in school, but might be something for these uh, younger people in the in the crowd here. I think uh, I would echo probably Trevor's point too. I think with this is that um, relationship has to come first. It's the only thing that makes anything else you say later on believable. Um, and I think particularly with medicine, because it really is a secular field in a lot of ways. And um, the interesting thing has come is out of these relationships and coming alongside people and you know just stopping in their office and like making sure to sit down and just hear what's going on in their day. Um, people do notice, I think we've talked about this before um, previously, people do notice that there are differences in how you act and how you live your day and how you interact with people. And you might not realize that people are, are aware of what you are doing, but they are. And a lot of the conversations that have come out of work haven't come out of me saying like, I'm a Christian, here's what I believe, you should believe it too. It's really come out of the fact that they've asked me questions like, you know, I see that you do this, I think that you're a Christian. Like, you know, why, why are you making these specific decisions in your life? Why, why is this important to you? Um, so a lot of the opportunities that have come out really have come out through just spending time with people relating and not necessarily directly talking about Christianity and oftentimes the opportunity just presented itself and oftentimes it was the other person that asked the question. For any of you that can remember this far back, are there experiences from being in junior high or high school where you were trying to think about how your faith interacted in your friendships or your schoolwork for our younger people here today? that you can remember a story or a time where something like Carissa was suggesting to say, hey, this is kind of how this worked out for me. I'll share one while you're thinking, uh, since I didn't prep you on that question. <laughs> um, so, I mean, for me anyway, like junior high is horribly awkward space. I'm sure for all of you, it's just really comfortable space and you're loving it and it's no problem. Um, but learning to talk to my friends about the fact that I went to church or I believe things took all kinds of shapes. So one, my friend Carlos, who was in uh, eighth grade, a devout atheist, um, we, we just yelled at each other on the bus because we didn't know what else to do. So he would yell at me about what an idiot I was for believing in God, and then I would yell back at him about what an idiot he was for not believing in God. And um, I don't know that there was very much maturity in that conversation, and probably if I w was a little bit more mature, I could have handled it differently. But amazingly, yelling back and forth at each other, and we were good friends. We like yell at each other and then get home and play basketball. That was kind of our rhythm. Um, ten years later, Carlos became a Christian. Uh, he lived in California, and uh, I don't even totally know the story, but he came back around on the thing that connects the world, the Facebook, and, and let me know, um, hey, just so you know, uh, this has become a huge part of my life, and I was just remembering that we yelled at each other on the bus when we were in junior high. And so I think to Carissa's point, you know, one thing about thinking about faith in school is just saying whatever um, the, best, the best thing you know to say is okay to say. Um, the best thing you feel like God's leading you to say to try to explain why you love God or why you go to church or why it's important to you or why it's hard sometimes or why you think it's awesome or boring or whatever. Um, just say whatever you think. Have the courage to say whatever you think, and God will use that. That's been my experience. And I think James's comment um, about people paying attention to you is also relevant back then. You know, for me, that's back then. When I was in junior high and high school, you know, I, I wasn't a, I am an introvert, and so I wasn't like an evangelist to my friends, but my friends knew that I was a Christian, um, 
and because they paid attention to me because I would say a quick prayer before I ate lunch or um, because I knew I went to youth group. And um, I can remember, so I was in early high school when September 11th happened. And um, some of those friends came to me and asked me, do, do I think like it's, this is the end of the world? Because they knew that I was a Christian. And at the time, that was not anything that I was thinking about. But, it, you know, it was evidenced in that moment that people pay attention to the little things that you do and how you are different from friends. And sometimes that's really hard. Um, sometimes it makes you feel really different and that can be awkward, but they notice and, and I think God can really use that. That's great. We probably have time for one or two more. Yeah, Stefan's got one in the back. No, he doesn't. One more question. Is there one more? Right here in the middle. Um, one thing that I've kind of been thinking about and kind of struggling with a little bit is no matter how much you love your job, sometimes the complaints and the grumbling like infuse it. So what are some like specific things that you use to keep that away and really try to be positive and um, refocus yourself on God? Great question. I don't know. Yeah, I think that is hard. I get plenty of complaints. <laughs> I don't want to eat this, Mom. Or can't we watch another Paw Patrol? And it, it's grating. It's really hard. And quite honestly, I think for me, sometimes it's just like, okay, take a couple deep breaths. Let's focus on what you're really trying to do here. You might have to say no a couple more times. Um, but just really, I think probably trying to center myself is where I find the ability to like, okay, it's going to be okay. We're just going to finish this day or finish this task, whatever it might be. Yeah, but that's a really good question. <laughs> so I actually have, so I, in reflecting on that, um, in IT, that's like complaining is sort of the standard for <laughs> IT. You probably have never experienced any problem with technology ever. But where I come from, there are problems. Um, and I think for me, actually, thinking about it, one of the best sort of outlets for me in that is, so I'm lucky enough, my boss is a Christian, but several of the people that I work with are not. And we experience a lot of the same frustrations. And having one or two folks that's a safe place to sort of vent some of that to and be like, ah, this XYZ thing happened, and you, all I need from you right now is just to listen for 30 seconds while I vent about how frustrating that is. And then be able to encourage me like, yep, I totally get that. I've been there. Okay, let's go back to it. That's been really helpful for me just to have a place, a safe place where I can sort of have an outlet for that. And maybe that's not at work for everybody. Maybe that's at ho home or somewhere else. But having a place, I think, to do that is really helpful for me. Um, in my role as a training director, I probably use some of the same parental skills and <laughs> hear some of the same parental like complaints. Um, and so a lot of uh, what I do, I think it's, I, th I would agree with Trevor. I think sometimes those safe places of just being able to vent and just acknowledge that this is really frustrating, you're really angry and all you can see is blood red because you're angry. Like having a moment to be able to just say like, yep, this is a valid feeling that isn't always safe to do at work. 
um, particularly for my life and to try to have some balance, at least to have some mental space that isn't always thinking about work, is sometimes that's with friends that I trust that share my faith, that's with my wife, um, that's with other family members, to be able to just say, like, exactly, I need a minute to say, like, this is terrible, I, I really hate it, I'm frustrated, I don't want to do this anymore, but then being able to get it out of your system and then say, okay, now let me try to work the problem here, figure out what's going on, and is there an opportunity, again, that God is creating out of this? Um, I think the best piece of advice I'd received from a mentor a long time ago is that there is uh, no greater opportunity than crisis. Um, so when things seem their darkest, when things seem most impossible, there's incredible opportunity that comes out of it because crisis makes change inevitable. Um, and so it's interesting, kind of reflecting on a number of challenges in my career, is that when I kind of use that to look back at it, there really have been a number of crises, but there were changes that needed to happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise, and things were better because of it. Um, having that in the back of my head once I've vented all my feelings helps me to refocus that there are things that I can continue to do and that there's still value to the work that I'm doing. Yeah, Rollin. Uh, just a uh, comment re regarding that is that you should also, we, we can also be that place of safety to come to. Mm. Yeah. That kind of wraps up what, uh, a way of being able to share your faith also. Mm. Thank you. Um, well, I just want to thank the three of you. We all want to thank the three of you for sharing your insights this morning. We appreciate you.